Welcome to the In The Scope podcast, new perspectives in the scope of different lenses. I am your host, Joshua M. Hicks. Make sure to subscribe to War on Anchor, the home of the In The Scope podcast, on all podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and the TuneIn app. And also, make sure to check out the War Media site at weareregalradio.com to get all the hottest and latest content on all things sports. Again, this is Joshua M. Hicks, and welcome to the In The Scope Podcast. Hope you enjoy it. We'll bring you down. We've got to stop and look around. Look around. Look around. Y'all know what time it is. It is the In The Scope podcast with your boy, Joshua M. Hicks, senior writer for War Media. You can follow War Media on all platforms, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, you name it, War Media. And on all podcast platforms, War on Anchor. And you can follow me, your host, on Instagram and Twitter at Josh M. Hicks Media. And this guy, I got him, this guest that I got today, this dude's the real deal, man. He is the NCAA NBA prospect specialist. He is the owner of Sports Talk 2319, host of his own podcast, One of One Podcast. He's a former professional basketball player, and he's just a sports guru. He's an NBA guy. This dude knows what he's talking about, man. He is the real deal. I'm so blessed, honored, and privileged to have Rashad Phillips on my show today. Rashad, how you doing, man? I'm fantastic, Josh. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm excited. I've been watching you from afar. You're growing your platform, and I'm always happy to be a part of something like that. Now, I really appreciate that, man. That really means a lot to me. And I'm just going to dive right in because, you know, we, 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 yeah. we have a lot to talk about. We just got let's a lot to talk about, so let's, let's do, it. do it. I'm going to start off with just some March Madness stuff real briefly, real briefly, just because I saw your manager post your bracket, and you had 75% of these picks right. Yeah. I'm like, yo, that's crazy. <laughs> that's bad crazy. Like, what was the one, I, I will ask you, obviously, because you, you know, put the bracket and stuff together. Yeah. But for me, what was the process behind putting that bracket together? How did it go for you? Yeah. And who was the one person out of that entire March Madness that stood yeah. out to you, that really stood out to you, especially when it comes to the upcoming draft? Yeah, you know, for for me, I'm uh, I'm I'm really into college basketball. Like I, I I just really love it. You know, as a kid, I've always been attracted to college basketball for some strange reason. I don't know. Maybe it's the atmosphere. I don't I don't know what it was. But as a kid, has always been embedded to me, embedded in me to really study the college game. So nothing has changed in my in my uh, adult years. So. When I watch college basketball, I'm always trying to find and look and scowl the landscape for players and teams and tendencies. So when March Madness comes, I've pretty much studied all the teams that are in the tournament. So I'm kind of able to tell you how it's going to play out because 
of me doing my homework of studying these teams um, from the beginning of the year. So that's kind of how I was able to, you know, hit on 75% of my picks. Um, I knocked down, I think, four out of five um, upsets in the first round, which was like a record on FanDuel. So it was, it was cool. Um, but your second question, the, the, the player that really got my attention from start to finish um, was uh, Davion Mitchell from Baylor. Um, he was tremendous. And, and you know what? His backcourt mate, Jared Butler, I'll talk about both of those two. I, I, I was huge on Jared Butler last year. I made an entire thread about him on Twitter um, about how I, I believed he was ready for the NBA last year. Um, so to watch him come back for another year and see his maturation uh, game at the game was tremendous uh, to, to witness. But Davion Mitchell was the player that I just would watch him and I would be in awe of his tenacity um, on the defensive side of the ball, his skill level offensively, um, his ability to draw contact and score, to make shots and play on the big stage. And, and we saw that throughout March Madness. And he was one of the main reasons why Baylor was hoisting up the trophy. And he's and, and I believe he's going to be a top 10 pick because of it. Yeah, Davion Mitchell, what really stood out to me for him was his poise. He never looked like he was in a rush. It's yeah. like it was like watching Dwayne Wade, a young Dwayne like Wade that. when he played. Like, like how he every time he dribbles the ball, he gets in a pick and roll situation, how he dissects the defense. Yeah. It was so smooth. It wasn't rushed. He got yeah. to his spots and he went to work. Like yeah. that's watching Davion Mitchell, I was like, that's scary to see, especially in college, compared to someone who's a Hall of Famer or going to be a Hall of Famer. That's really, really, really he really maturated that skill set really in the pros like to yeah. see that in college you know uh, see that in college really impressed me yeah that's just the evolution of the game like the kids are better um than than we were years ago and and they you know when you're able to study those before you it's a cheat sheet for you to be better than them you know you you, you know you look at you know kobe bryant was able to study and mimic Michael Jordan. So there was things that Kobe Bryant can do better than Michael Jordan because he pretty much mimicked what Jordan did, you know? So that's just how it works in, in, in evolution. Yeah, that's a, that, yeah, that, yeah, Baylor was such a really good team this year and to watch them go through the final four and win, the, and win at the dramatic fashion that they did, especially in that championship game against Gonzaga. That was very impressive in the back, in that backcourt. Yeah, it was something special. So I'm excited to see what that really looks like in the in the in, from the NBA perspective. Mm -hmm. But since we just now talked about March Madness, let's just let's actually transition to the pros. Yeah, talk about. Um, I got to start off with my hometown Bulls, man. I'm from Chicago. You know how we do in the shot. We got to talk about the hometown teams, right? So we got to talk about the Bulls, and obviously the Bulls have had a very up and down season. But they have a rising star in Zach Levine that's that was that's been killing all season long. Finally got his all-star appearance. Yeah. And the Bulls traded at the trade deadline for Bucevic to pair those two. You give me that look, like I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know if that should work. Like, is that a good pairing? Do you think that was a really good move at that time? Because as we as you can see, and we know it takes time for teams to gel and develop, especially in a crazy year and a time like this. But this Bulls team has shown. Some ups, 
some positives with that pairing, but also some negatives. So yeah, the, do you think good, that works? Yeah, the good, bad, and the ugly is, is, is what we've been witnessing with the Chicago Bulls. But I, I, I believe that Zach Levine um, is a star in this league. Um, I believe Vooch is a good player. See, there's a difference between there's, there's average players in the NBA, there's good players, there's great players, there's stars, and then there's superstars. And Levine, in my opinion, is a star, and, and Vooch is a good player. So um, I think the pairing's really good. I, I don't think that's the issue in Chicago. Um, I, I really love Patrick Williams. That is, that's my favorite player on the team is Patrick Williams. So you guys got, you know, you, you, you hit on the draft with, with Patrick Williams. So, so I'm, I'm happy that um, he's on the team. Do you, obviously Zach Levine has a contract uh, situation coming up this year. I think he has one more year left and I know the Bulls are going to try to extend him, but knowing him since he is an all-star, he may want to go after that max deal, which he has rightfully, you know, had the option to do. Do you believe that the Bulls should keep him as the centerpiece of this foundation moving forward under this new management? Absolutely. I mean, you can't let a player like that walk. I mean, what he brings to the table, um, a, a terrific score from all three levels he gives you. Um, he's very clutch. He doesn't get enough credit for his clutch ability. When the game's on the line, you can put the ball in his hands and he'll deliver. We all know he's a tremendous athlete. He's a high flyer. So when you have those attributes um, as an NBA franchise, you just don't let those type of dudes walk. So if I'm Chicago, I'll do everything to try to keep them. If you keep Zach Levine and you keep Vooch, you already got a rising star and Patrick Williams. What do you think about Kobe White? Because for me, I love much as I love Kobe, and I really do love Kobe, I don't think he's the point guard <laughs> of the future. I think he's not. I think he's more of a Kyrie Irving esque oh, player. Don't do that. Don't do that to Kyrie Irving. I, I'm not. I mean, I'm not comparing. Don't do for that. Sure, but I'm talking. Yeah, I mean, Kyrie's on a whole other level. We can't even <laughs> discuss that. I guess I'm trying to say that he's not a traditional point guard. He's a scoring point guard, and that is something that you know you can kind of debate from an actual point guard position and what the Bulls that certainly need. Is he the future? What would you do with them if you were the Bulls, especially heading into next season? Do the Bulls actually have to look for an actual point guard? What options do they well, have? Well, the issue is that he's not a point guard. That's the issue. And that, and I think that's what's wrong with the management in Chicago is that he's, he's miscategorized. He's not a point guard. He's a combo guard. There's nothing point about him. And I think that's the issue when you're drafting players and when you drafting them and trying to force them in a slot that they don't fit. He's not a point guard. He's not a shooting guard. He's a combo guard, which means he, he needs to be off the ball more than the ball is in his hands because he's more of a scorer than he is initiator. So that's the number one issue with, it's not Kobe White's fault. It's the management and the coaches because they're trying to put him He's, he's a circle, but you're trying to jam him in a square. That's the issue. 
So when you look at Kobe White and Kyrie Irving, they're two different position of players. You got a combo guard and, and Kobe White and Kyrie Irving is a hybrid guard. Like they're two different animals, you know, like they're two different species. So that's the issue with Chicago is that, and a lot of times in the NBA is where people are trying to push these kids into slots that they don't fit. I'm gonna touch on that. I'm gonna touch that eventually, but I gotta ask you this question first. Sure. Who would be a good pairing, especially from a draft perspective, when you're talking about putting in the same court with Zach Levine and Vucevic? Who is that guy that that the Bulls should really look at when you talk about potentially for the draft? I don't. So you're basically saying who would the who should the Bulls draft this year in the first round? If they get a top 15 pick, um, I believe that they should take Isaiah Jackson from Kentucky. Because the, the big mistake that Chicago made, big mistake that Chicago made was trading Daniel Gafford. Mm. A huge mistake. So now you've traded Gafford, who is more like he's a center, but he has some, some sprinkles of a hybrid post. Chicago doesn't have athletic uh, bigs at all. And the way the game is played today, you need athletic bigs. So when you look at Isaiah Jackson, Jackson from Kentucky, Isaiah is a hybrid post. He's an athletic big. He's a rim runner. He's a shot blocker. He's a lot like Dennis Rodman with a sprinkle of Bam at a bio. So if I'm Chicago and I get like that 11, 12, 13 slot, I will draft Isaiah Jackson. Everybody listening right now, you're listening to Rashad Phillips. Rashad, now let's transition into this uh, this position definition chart that you have. <laughs> yeah. Because it's very, very, very detailed. You go from each position, traditional guard, point guard, hybrid guard, combo guard, shooting guard, small forward, dual forward, stretch big, hybrid post power forward, center, and even point center. You have a lot of positions listed out here, but you, like you mentioned, it caters to each individual skill set. How were you able to come up with this type of chart? Like what really inspired you to come up with this type of chart? And why do you feel like most management and front offices need to really utilize this chart, especially when it comes to the scouting process? Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm gonna just, I'm gonna use myself. You know, I'm gonna use my own story, you know? Um, a, a lot of times, again, when I play, they were trying to peg me as a point guard. And, and back then, point guards, the, the society's definition of point guard back then was you got to be able to facilitate, 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 pass, get out the way, facilitate, pass, don't score too much, pass, facilitate. And that's not what I was. I was a hybrid guard. I was more of a player that could facilitate, but I was more of an dis offensive disruptor. Hybrid guards are offensive disruptors. And that's what I was. And um, I just figured that the more that I watched the landscape of how the draft went, how scouting went, how players and kids would lose scholarships or, or couldn't fit, it's because we didn't have enough slots to, to put 
these players and match their skill set. So I was able to just do my research and come up with a fabric tree where you can find who you are. It's just like the human race, right? You got you got dark people, you got medium dark people, you got light-skinned people, you got white people, you got albino, you got you got all these shades of beautiful people, right? And it's like we all fit somewhere in that slot. So when I look at sports, I'm thinking to myself, how come we don't have uh, positions that fit the skills instead of trying to push players into these five spots, five slots? I just thought it wasn't it, 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 it wasn't the right way to look at the way the game has gone. That's a very good point because I'm not, I didn't play professional basketball, but I did play some college basketball in my life. Yeah. And I realized that I had, um, as some would say, ideally a smaller version of a Jamal Crawford skill set where he can go to work, he's a, yeah. he can play the two guard a lot and that make you dance. And every once in a while, can run an offense, but he's really good, but he can really score the ball. That was combo me. guard. I played, yeah, combo guard. But I played in a system where they just wanted me to be a shooter on the See? wing. See, so it, so even though I can do that, that wasn't my best slot. Exactly. You bringing this whole chart together really breaks down, you know, what you're talking about. It's actually it's, it's true, and I hope. And I hope and I wish a lot of front office front offices and even coaches will understand that so that when they set up their offenses, it can fit the skill sets that they have. And like you mentioned, Kobe White is a prime example of that. How you wish how, how Billy Donovan could hope wish change his offense a little bit to where it fits Kobe Correct. White. Instead of trying to make him a point guard. He's not Chris Paul. He's not, he's right. not Trey Young. He's not John Morant. Like he's a he's a different different slot than those guys. When you do the small amount of or the scouting that you do, what are the things that you look for in these prospects? I'm always looking at style. I look at, I look at style and skill. Those are the two things that I always look at um, because style is your fingerprints. They don't change. So I'm always looking at the style of the player because once I find out the style of the player, then I'm able to give them an identity and then I'm able to place them. That's why I've been so accurate in predicting how players are gonna turn out because I have my own positions chart. And now I'm just sharing that chart with the world to say, hey, this is how I I'm able to predict how players are going to be, how they're going to evolve because of this 12 position chart that I've created. Man, you speaking facts, bro. You speaking straight <laughs> here, man. I'm just telling you, you know. No, nah, that's real. And, it, and, and, that's and, and you can sit and anybody listening to your show, you can tell them, get the position chart, sit back and just watch basketball and then you'll be able to start charting slotting different players like oh he's not a point guard he's a hybrid guard he's not a power forward he's a hybrid post 
you know, you'll be able to start taking players out of the slots that you had them mentally because society tells you that Kobe White is a point guard. That's what TV tells you. Society tells you that. But when you watch him play, there's nothing point guard about him. Yeah, that's that. That's true, man. That's true. You are speaking absolute facts. But I want to transition to a real point guard. I want to point the okay. point guard and CP3. I got to talk about Chris Paul because what he's doing in Phoenix and what he's done with every team that he's been on, like this is incredible. And they just now bringing this man's name into the MVP conversation. Like, dude has been could have been an MVP. He could have been MVP last year. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly, like what, as someone that can relate to Chris Paul, the impact that he has, and what his skill set brings to the table, why is he so underappreciated? Every That's time a great question, but it's an easy answer for me. <laughs> um, the, the, you know, professional sports, they have a hard time of, of giving monumental awards to smaller players. The professional sports do not like to put small players on pedestals. Professional sports, they like to put the tall, um, unearthly, mythic player on the pedestal because professional sports, you're supposed to be not normal. So to, so to put, to wrap a, a small person in gold and give them awards is untraditional. And this is why Chris Paul has never won the MVP because professional sports do not like to highlight people of that stature. So you'll get people to say, oh, Steph Curry won MVP. Steph Curry got an MVP. Steph Curry's not small. I've stood next to Steph Curry. Steph Curry's just under 6'4". So he's not small. Chris Paul, I've stood next to Chris Paul. Chris Paul is like freaking six feet. Yeah, yeah. But he's small, you know? And, and people say, oh, Steve Nash won it and all that. You know, people want to move the goalposts but not really address what the issue is. The most valuable player doesn't have to be the best player in the NBA. It should be given out to the most valuable player. Chris Paul is the most valuable NBA player today in the league. He's more valuable than any player that you could name. Maybe LeBron James could be in there. Yeah. But yeah. Other, other than that, there's not other valuable players that can match with Chris Paul and his and his his history shows it. Yeah, that that's really tough and a, and a, and a very interesting perspective on that because even for someone you mentioned with like like LeBron James, yeah, he's valuable and there have been times we probably could have had at least one or two more MVPs on his roster. Yeah, yeah. and he hasn't gotten those um, but, when he rightfully deserved them. Right, but he's already won four. True, very true. Paul has zero. That's true. And I just and I told you why he has zero. Yeah. Because he's small. So it's safe to say then that nowadays the league itself doesn't know what it means to have value. 
They don't no, know what valuable means. They don't care about value. It's about popularity and stats. The MVP trophy is given out to popularity and stats. And Chris Paul doesn't have neither. Yeah. He doesn't have the popularity and he doesn't have the stats. So therefore, they have a way to exclude him and give the give the MVP trophy to another player. It's like, it's right here in plain sight. It's like, I don't understand how people are not seeing what I'm saying because it's right in plain sight. Like I'm not creating a narrative. The story is right there for you to look at. Everybody's, everybody continues to say, oh, well, the Suns were 8-0 in the bubble. They were going to go to the playoffs. The Suns were so bad that they went undefeated in the bubble and still didn't make the playoffs. So the 8-0 doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. Because they, they didn't go 8-0 before the pandemic. They took a, we took a hiatus. We took three or four months off and they came back to the AAU tournament and won eight games. And all of a sudden people saying, oh, they would have done that this year. That's baloney. That's true. You, you speaking facts on that. You speaking facts on that. Then I want to get your viewpoints as far as obviously we know who your MVP is. So let's, I want to do my own version of Rashad Phillips award show, right? I want to see, in your opinion, who deserves the award of the season's end today, right? Mm -hmm. Defensive player of the year. Just Ben would, Simmons talk. I would say, I would, I would say Ben Simmons. And why? Uh, because I, I, I believe that Ben Simmons can defend multiple positions. Um, he has, if you watch him, he does, he shuts the top, he takes on the top offensive players night in, night out. He gives he gives them rough nights. I don't care about what the the all that PER and all that stuff. That stuff it, it makes you get away from watching the game. I believe Ben Simmons is the defensive player of the year. Rookie of the year. Oh, it's LaMelo Ball. Thank you. That's all I <laughs> thank you. That's all I that's all I gotta say. I've been hearing the Anthony Edwards talk and I'm like, no, nah, stop it. He's playing well, but come on, let's not let's not be let's not be foolish. It, it, exactly. I mean LaMelo literally turned around a franchise in a year where the the Hornets are making the playoffs this he year. Chris Paul right? the Charlotte Hornets. You you just say he's the Chris Paul the of the Charlotte Hornets? He Chris Paul the Charlotte Hornets. Oh yes, yes. He went there. And, and the team automatically went to the win column. Yeah. That's true. Hands down. No argument about that at all. Sixth man of the year. Oh, that's a great question. I don't know. I don't, I'm thinking about, uh, no. Terry Rozier starts, right? So, no. Yeah. I would. Um, that's a great question. Um, I'm trying to think. Hmm. It was somebody I had on my mind and I drew a blank, but it was a player that, oh, we got to, to come back to that one. I don't know. <laughs> I got to think, 
I got to think about that one. That's a great one, though. Like, it, it, I had it on, I had it in my head earlier, what I thought about, and I was just talking about the player, and I was like, he could win six man of the year this year, and it's like I drew a blank. But we're going to have to come back to that one. You got to hit me on Twitter so I can give you that name. I got you. I got you. I'll definitely do that for sure. Um, and everybody listening right now, you're listening to the owner of Sports Talk 2319, Rashad Phillips. Rashad, let's transition to uh, the playoffs and what the ideal situation looks like right now because I heard you briefly mention in one of your talking heads uh, the playing tournaments, the AAU tournament. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we got that again this year, obviously. And you have teams that if they were starting right now from the seventh seed going through the 10th seed on both sides of the conference, you have the seventh seed and on starting with the Eastern Conference. You have the Miami Heat at seven. You have the Charlotte Hornets at eight. You have the Indiana Pacers at nine and the Washington Wizards at 10. Does that look attractive to you? Like, <laughs> do you think that looks like something that, you know, can actually boost some ratings or anything? Cause that's all I think the playing tournament really is. It's just boosting the ratings after what they lost. Yeah, I'm, I'm not really, um, I'm not really, I'm kind of like neutral with it. Like, I don't hate it. I don't love it. You know, I'm just like, okay, whatever, y'all go ahead. <laughs> you know, like, I, I, I'm really excited to see if Westbrook can, can get the Wizards, you know, in the playoffs, though. I would really like to just see that because I'm a huge supporter of Daniel Gafford. So I would love to see him in the playoffs with Westbrook. So that's just my biasness there. What about Russell Westbrook as, as a whole? Just because since he left Oklahoma City and the trio that he was in with as far as Kevin Durant and James Harden, many could say he hasn't had that, that, that iconic playoff run yeah. to secure his legacy, especially when you talk about Hall of Fame legacy. I think he's a, I think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. But I do think you're right when you talk about an iconic playoff moment. He could really do that. Um, a lot of people don't know this. Russ was was hurt in the bubble. Like his knee was bothering him in the bubble. Um, he wasn't 100%. I mean, you can go back and look at the tape. He just didn't have his burst. He didn't have his explosiveness. Um, he's back healthy now. So I just, you know, Russell Westbrook has always been one of my favorite players. I'll never waver from that. So I'm, I'm really pulling for him, but he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Could he go down as potentially this generation's Allen Iverson? Yeah, he's a bigger version of Allen Iverson. So yeah, I mm -hmm. would say yes. Okay, cool, cool. I, well, I hope Russell Westbrook makes a deep run, especially since he's paired with Bradley Beal. Yeah. Bill's a nasty dude, man. He nasty. I would, I just, I, I would like to see, like Miami's kind of boring. Like I love Bam at a bio, but they team is just really boring. Yeah. I don't want to see the Pacers. They're boring. You know, I, I love Edmund Sumner, one of my favorite players in the league. And I love Sabonis, but Indiana as a whole, they just boring and methodical. Yeah. I did. Yeah. I, I'm interested to see how that's going to go. Uh, for sure. Um, transitioning to the Western Conference, though, it's much more intriguing and much more interesting. You have currently right now Portland that's at seven, Memphis that's at eight, Golden State at nine, and the Spurs at ten. Yeah. That's way more interesting to me. You're talking about potentially yeah. seeing Steph Curry against the Spurs, which is, you know, that's nice. 
But you talking about Dame Dollar against Ja Morant. That's a that's a point guard duo that that's pretty interesting to me. I view Ja Morant as potentially another Westbrook. Um, when you talk about his explosiveness, what he can do and how he can get to the rim, as well as making others better. And then you got Dame Dollar, who's just a stone cold killer. Like he's he's a hybrid guard. Yeah. Stone cold. He's, he's a disruptor. Yeah, for sure. So what are your thoughts on potentially seeing those matchups coming to fruition if the playoffs were starting today? Yeah, I don't really care about the Golden State San Antonio game. Like, I don't really care about that. I I, I would like to see Portland Memphis. I want Memphis to win. You know, and I and I love I love Damian Lillard uh to death, but I'm I'm a John Morant supporter and I I I, I want to see that kid in the playoffs. And I'm glad you mentioned John Morant just because for me, I think the NBA is, like you mentioned, they, they're big on narratives, right? The unsung hero narrative, when you talk about coming from a small, a small college to becoming big time at a pros, is so underrated and underappreciated to me. And it doesn't get enough coverage. John Morant, coming from Murray State, top two pick and really killing it in the league. Damian Lillard, coming from Weber State, killing it in the league. And now he's taking Portland to new heights. I feel like those stories never get enough coverage and never enough exposure per se, just because it doesn't fit the ideal NBA narrative where you go to a big time NCAA college, you become right. a top one or two pick, you yeah. lead your team to championships. Like, I think they deserve as much credit and notoriety as they should. So I'm glad that they're able to play against each other if it was to start today, because they both deserve it. And like you mentioned, you support them. I support both of those players and I support those franchises and I hope they get the notoriety that we need and utilizing our platforms to do so because they're making a huge impact in this game it is going unnoticed every year yeah I'm pulling for Memphis um that being said then obviously with the playoffs taking place soon who do you ideally what are the teams that we that we should look out for as we prepare for the final stretch of the playoffs what are the teams that, you, that we should circle heading into the playoffs. Atlanta. I saw you tweet about that, how you were, you, you were a big Atlanta Hawks guy. Um, why Atlanta? They've, they've been, they, they haven't been healthy all year. They're, they're a four seed and they, they've had the second most injuries in the NBA and they're almost healthy. I think Atlanta, Atlanta and the Phoenix Suns are the two scariest teams in the playoffs. Okay, okay. What about the Clippers? I mean, the Clippers are they're slowly getting back to health. They did trade for a, for Rajon Rondo, who I think will benefit. Yeah, but that's the typical TV narrative. Like we already know about the Clippers. The TV talk about the Clippers every day. Like hmm. they'll be there, you know, they'll be there. But I'm not like they're like I'm not really sold. Um, on the Clippers, the Clippers, they just have to prove it. I'm not, I'm not annoying the Clippers. I'm, I just can't do it. You know, I, I can't do it. And, and Kawhi is one of my personal favorites, a friend of mine. I love Kawhi. You know, he's not, he's not the issue. I love coach Lou. I love coach Billups, but I just think as a whole, I don't know yet. So the jury's out on, on, on the Clippers so that I believe Phoenix and the Hawks are the two most scary teams in the playoffs. 
That's well, hey, I feel you on that. I feel you on that. Shout out to Nate McMillan and what he's done with the Hawks and turning that whole uh that whole team around. And shout out to Monty Williams. That should be my yeah. coach of the year. Coach, he should be I, coach yeah. of the year. He should be, co he should be coach of the year. It's not even yes. it shouldn't even be a discussion. Exactly. Now I want to transition to a more personal side of you. I want to find out how did you start Sports Talk 2319? Um, you know, when I went to college, my my I got my degree in communications and liberal arts. So I've always wanted to be like a broadcaster analyst. It was, I mean, I went to college for it, you know. So this is something that has been in the workings. Um you know, for over 20 years, um, I've always had the, um, I've always had the, the urge to, to really speak on the game um, and, and educate. Um, I, I think I'm an educator by nature and I just felt that I can create my own platform um, to really echo the voices of the voiceless. Because when you turn on the TV and these other major platforms, they're not going to talk about, you know, certain players and certain teams. They're only going to talk about five or six teams every day. You turn on the TV tomorrow, they're going to talk about the, the Lakers, the Clippers, and, you know, they'll sprinkle a, a one or two other teams in there and the Dallas Cowboys and Tom Brady and that's it. You know, like it's, the, it's rinse and repeat. And I just wanted to create my own platform where I was able to be diverse and, and, and have a lot of range and given opportunities to each and every one that, that earns it. So that's why I kind of came up with Sports Talk 2319. And you also have a podcast called One of One Podcast. Um, you've had some major guests on there, especially, you know, Big Perk, uh, Kendrick, Perk, Kendrick Perkins, who's really blossomed since he's been in that TV analyst role. Yeah, um, big time. Yeah, he's he's been big time. Like, talk about your it, adding your podcast to this platform that you have. That you know, as far as putting your voices out for the unheard. Like, talk about how you're utilizing your podcast for that. Yeah, again, like for me, I I just wanted you know I call it the one of one because you won't find a podcast like it. You know, like it's it's a it's a it's a, it's a space for me to be able to uh, not be filtered you know, and, and, and not have any agenda and, and to be able to speak the purity of the game and not get caught up in the goalpost moving narrative based world sports world that we live in. I just wanted to give people a, a, a different, a fresh look or organic look to sports because we're, we're conditioned to look at sports through one lens, one lens. You, 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 you wouldn't believe how many people that I come across that just regurgitate what they see on TV without really paying it any attention, you know? And, and, and for me, I just wanted to create a, a, another avenue where I was able to show people you can look at sports through another lens and, and maybe even like it more. Well, hey, I've been, especially as a lady, I've been paying attention to what's what, what's been out there and you are really speaking some real gems on there and you keep it real. And it's part of why I was like, look, I got to get this guy on the show. I've heard, you know, you speak with other people, uh, especially our guy, Scoop B. Um, and 
I was like, look, I got to get this guy somehow on my show to speak the real talk because you know yep. what you're talking about. And it's just like you mentioned, platforms like this, we have to be creating the platform to speak the real truth. And that's what we're doing here. And I appreciate you coming on my show for that. If you mind telling up for my audience, you know, what, what you got coming up next that we should be able to look forward to? Um, if you can, well, right now I have my new series called The Legend Circle, um, which is on Tubi right now for free. You can go on Tubi and, and, and look at my Legend Circle interviews. Uh, my first one is Isaiah Thomas, the great Detroit Piston. Um, I got Chris Weber coming up, my sit-down interview with Chris Weber. I have a sit-down interview with Chauncey Billups. I have a sit-down with Antonio Gates, and I and the list goes on. So um, that's what I have, you know, you can look forward to down the line. Also, I'll be having um, my, my, my first pre-draft show will be coming out um, next month where I'll be breaking down different draft picks. Um, with my positions manual breaking down the Kay Cunninghams and the, the Evan Mobleys and the Suggs and all those all those kids, I'll be breaking them down on my show, um, giving everybody a, a different look on how to scout and predict their success for later on down the line. We'll definitely be on the lookout for that for real. It's, and um, what's a what's a good uh, outlet for people to check out your work? Your, you know, your Twitter handle, um, things that sort of, so that way our audience can follow the work that you're doing. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter, RP3Natural. You can follow me on Instagram, Instagram Phillips 2319 or you can go to my website, which is sportstalk2319.com. And everybody listening to me right now, obviously as your host, you can just remind you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Joshua M. Hicks Media. And you can also follow War Media on, on all platforms, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, at War Media, and all podcast platforms, War on Anchor. And check out our website as well, weareregalradio.com. We have a lot of great things coming your way. And Rashad, man, it's been an honor. It's been a privilege. Thank you so much for coming on my show and speaking, speaking that real talk. <laughs> I really appreciate no, it. No, I appreciate you, Josh, for having me on your show, man. I'm excited, um, you know, to, to see what the future holds for you. Um, you know, keep being brave. Um, keep speaking what you see. Um, don't, never, don't never shy away from the truth. Most definitely, man. Hopefully down the line, especially with this draft stuff coming on, maybe we can get you back on board to talk some of this draft talk. And, you know, I look forward to keeping in touch with you for real. I really appreciate Sounds it. Sounds good. Talk soon.